1: What's going on, Bulls Nation? Welcome in to the CHGO Bulls Podcast. Coming to you live from our studios here at West Loop, downtown Chicago. I'm Peck, back from AK. You can follow me on Bulls underscore Peck. On Twitter, at Bulls underscore Peck. Woo, rusty. Joined in studio by my guy, Will to go Gottlieb. Will underscore Gottlieb. Our pal producer, Joey is on the controls. And joining us, remote, big day, BOW! B-A-W-L Sports.
0: Bow, your face.
1: Uh, Sorry, Bears fans. It's a rough Monday, and it's gross and nasty and raining here in Chicago. This is a this is a shit Monday. It's a great awakening for the first Monday to come back after a week of vacation. How are you, Dave? I need some optimism. How are you?
0: Oh yes, I'll, I'll give you a little bit. I'm I'm doing great. I, I feel wonderful. I feel amazing. I hate the Chicago Bears. I I, I hate that team. They they yeah. kick, kick all the rocks wow. from the world. I hate them all from the top to the bottom. I I hate everything about them. Um, but yeah, everything's great though. I feel great. I feel wonderful. Will's wearing a hat and you know, I've never seen him with a hat on and that's doing glasses. I got
2: to keep the droplets out of my eyes. I got two football takes for you guys and I know nothing about football. So here it is. I love it. One, at least we're not giants fans. (laughs) 'cause, Cause that might've been the one thing worse. And two, if I recall correctly, the Panthers also lost. So there's that draft pick, you know? Yay. That's about the best I can do. That's me trying to be optimistic on anything. That's all you get. It's just a matter of seconds before that hat comes flying off his head, Dave. Yeah.
1: Oh, the fake out hat toss. Come on. Will. I'm fake. (laughs) Uh, We've got some fun stuff ahead on today's show. We are less than a month away from the Bulls. First preseason game. Y'all that is accurate. That is a factual statement. October 8th, we get Bulls basketball back in our lives. So, because we are in that final countdown of the last bitter end of the offseason, we figured today being a Monday, fresh week of shows, kicking off our segment that we did last year that we're going to do again this year called Prove It, where we set specific goals for all of these key players on the Bulls' 23-24 roster. We will get to that coming up in a little bit, but before that, I did want to start today's show, gentlemen, by touching on this bit of news we got from Sham Sharanya this morning who said, according to sources, LeBron James wants to represent Team USA at the 2024 Paris Olympics and is spearheading a group of future Hall of Fame players, including Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, who are prepared to commit. Then he goes on to also name Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, Draymond Green, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, De'Aaron Fox, and Kyrie Irving as also people who have serious interest in committing.
2: Crazy, they misspelled Zach Levine.
1: They did not mention Zach Levine. Or DeMar DeRozan, for that matter. But what do you think about this, Will? Especially coming on the heels of the USA FIBA World Cup roster.
2: Not only not winning that tournament, but not even managing to finish third. They yeah, finished I mean, fourth. That's that's what it's about. They're they're not letting it happen. They, the U.S. sent the B team. Or maybe like the C plus C team? team. Like, I, I like a lot of those players. Everybody knows I'm a huge Halliburton fan. Like, they, they've got a great team. Mikhail Bridges was awesome. But that was not the best that was not close to the best group they could have sent for sure. And the rest of the world does not mess around. They take it really seriously. Germany was awesome. Uh, like all these teams send their best players, uh, the bulls or the, uh, the team USA needs to do the same. And it seems like they're going to take it seriously. And if, and when they do, they have no excuse, but to be, you know, 2001 Lakers on the rest of this tournament. What do you think, Dave?
0: I, I was talking about this on, uh, with Neil and Matt on their show. They had me on their podcast. Uh, shout out to them. Um, and I said to them, if if the United States loses, if they hadn't played Canada yet, and I was like, if they lose to Canada, I guarantee you LeBron James is going to come out and say, I want to play for Team USA and it's going to get a bunch of people to come play. Well, they lost. And then the very next day, LeBron is like, I want to play for Team USA. Like, yeah. And, and sending the B team, like, it's I don't know. I guess the World Cup means more uh, to the people who are in it like that or from around the world than it does to like team USA and specifically people like me. Uh, so I don't think it was a big deal. I really don't. Uh, when you send the B team over there, that's you get B team results. That's that's what you get. So if they sent the A team and they went out like this, I think that would be a different story. Uh, so we'll see what it looks like when they get to the Olympics. but yeah, I'm not I don't want to take away from you know what Germany did, uh, what Canada did because they played great. Uh they were awesome out there. Shout out Dylan Brooks for the way he played. Uh shout out Dennis Schroeder for the he was awesome as well. So they deserve all the kudos in the world for, for how they played. Uh but Team USA, I, I like the fact that they were like, Okay, we lost. We don't like how this shook out. Let's let's go, as Matt said, let's go get the Avengers and you know, go over there and try to get this gold medal.
1: I, I mean you mentioned the fact that the timing here is Maybe a bit more than a coincidence. It did say in that report, and I laughed my ass off when I read this, uh, James's effort started well before the USA World Cup team, led by Anthony Edwards and Mikael Bridges, lost at the World Cup and was not related to whether this summer's team won or lost. I call bullshit. I don't believe that for a second. And what do we think? It's a coincidence, at least the timing of when this is released? Because I think LeBron James said, hey Shams, here you go, you can release this now. Now the Team USA didn't even manage to finish in the bronze spot of the FIFA World Cup. Let everybody know that King James is gonna come save the day and I'm gonna round up all of my Avenger NBA stars and thank you to me for doing this so we can redeem ourselves, redeem Team 3.0 or whatever the hell you wanna call it. I mean, it's, you know me, I'm a giant LeBron hater. I think there is a bit of ego involved in this. At the same time, like, yes, it wasn't our A-team that we sent to the FIBA World Cup, but, dude, you were getting worked by Daniel Tice. Bulls legend Daniel Tice. That's that's why we lose to Germany? Because we let him have a double-double with points and offensive rebounds in the second half? Well, you better get LeBron James to save Team USA from the wildly intimidating Daniel Tice German squad. Give me a break.
2: Well, the the U.S. bigs were just getting dominated all tournament. Like, this is, I think, the biggest storyline that people are talking about, which is that Jaron Jackson averaged less than three rebounds a game. Walker Kessler didn't play. Bobby Portis didn't play. Paulo Bencaro is not a five. Like, they're not not bringing size to a tournament where size is really important. The three-second violation, uh, defensive violation is not there. The court is smaller. The three-point line is smaller. It's easier for bigger bigs to have an impact. And... Team I keep on wanting to say the Bulls because that's all we do is talk about the Bulls. <laughs> Team USA just did not have the counter for that. So they they have to bring some size. Obviously, like LeBron and KD and all those guys make it so that the talent is probably so overwhelming that they're going to win. But, like, they got to take the size thing seriously because it's not the same. Like, Steve Kerr can't just play small ball. It, do, it doesn't work on this stage.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Will. I I thought that they had to look at guys like Jared Allen and see what if he wanted to come play uh for team USA like they need size they need rebounders they, that's how they were getting worked in every single game they played that's how they were getting worked fouche had an incredible rebounding game uh against them so yeah that they, they definitely have to do that and shore that up matt i'm completely with you i think this is a complete pr move uh by lebron that's that's why i said it i was like i we know how lebron thinks he's you know always thinking three steps ahead um he's not going to miss this kind of opportunity um i appreciate him feeling like, yo, I need to go over here and get this gold medal. But to act like it's just for that would be incorrect and not who he is. It's always an extra motive uh, with that. And also, Matt, like those guys, when they play for their home country, they're different. Like you mentioned Daniel Tice, like they're different. Now, I remember when Evan Fournier was over there giving dudes work when he was playing for his squad, bro, like giving cats work. And I, remember, I can't remember what player it was. They were like, how come he doesn't play like this when we're playing against him in the NBA? Like he doesn't do it like that, but guys are different when they're playing at home. Maybe it's the rules, maybe it's just the fact you're playing for home. I don't know, but but they're different.
1: The other element that I find interesting about this is that it it not this announcement not only coming on the heels of the U.S.'s loss, but that that came on the heels of that giant hubbub made by Noah Lyles, the track and field star, who had that rant that went viral about like these NBA teams call themselves world champions, like world champions of what it's a league with mostly, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, teams from American cities and a, you know, Canadian city in there. But there is now, as you were saying, will with sending a B team or maybe even a C team, the level of competition of world basketball has gotten to a point where the U S can't afford to send their B or C team. Cause we just saw what happens. They lose. And I did think it was a pretty funny little piece of trash talk that the German national team squad's like official Twitter account posted a giant graphic that said world champions when they won the championship game. And look, let's also not forget that a whole bunch of NBA players, when Noah Lyles went on that rant, called him out and called him an idiot on social media for having that opinion. Well, y'all's national team just lost. What are you going to do about it?
2: Whatever it's semantics. I mean, it's world champ. Like, do, do the Bulls banners say world champs? I think they do. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: NBA yeah. World Champions.
2: Yeah. That's I mean, the phrase. This is the best league in the world. They're not playing like country to country in this league. They're playing. It's like, it's just not. I, I don't think it's the same thing. I get. I get. What he's trying to say. And the the team USA was definitely not the world champions this time. But I just think those are two separate things. And if you want to argue that. You shouldn't call an NBA championship the world championship. Okay, fine. I whatever. I don't care.
0: <laughs> I think they're going to have to um also talk to baseball about it being called the World Series. Like if you're going to have that discussion, man. So the World Baseball Classic. I mean, that's
2: literally a world championship. Like there's no there's no point in time where like the Bulls play Real Madrid. That, just, that doesn't exist. Right. So there can't be a world championship in that regard. It has to be the Olympics or FIBA or whatever. And like, sure, if you want to call that the world championship.
1: Yeah. But whatever. I mean, is anybody taking, you know, Nico Miritich's like Barka team in a best of seven series against the NBA's best team that makes its way through the NBA playoffs? Because I don't think anybody's
2: taking and that. I think Jabari Parker is. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: Who is Bold the legend. best American big Option. I would is say... is it Anthony Davis? I would say like Anthony Davis, almost Bam all like think or, about right. Think about all of like the dominant bigs.
1: People on Twitter today were talking about how we need to convince Joel Embiid to play for. Apparently, team USA. that's a big
2: thing. I, He's what? What team does he currently play for? France uh, or does he play for Cameroon? Cameroon, He's I Cameroonian. think. Yeah, but I thought okay. What well, I I, feel I might have like been wrong, but I playing for. I saw that. That's crazy, yeah, by no, the way. I saw that too. I just don't understand why you can like apply to play for. Like, Cat playing for the Dominican Republic, that probably makes sense because he's, like, part Dominican. But I don't know. I feel like Embiid, there's no American, like, heritage there. He's from Cameroon.
1: Well, so, I mean, is it just, like, dual citizenship? You can play for this team or you can play for that I team? I guess. Well, I that know. happens sometimes. That happens sometimes. Where they Joe is like-
2: playing for Team Israel. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are going to go suit up. Hey, Matt Mervis played for Team Israel in the
0: World <laughs> Baseball Classic. Like, guys do that. But that's a different thing. But like, it, it's true. But, but like, all the dominant USA. bigs are foreigners, not in a not in a bad You're way. But like, Giannis,
2: Jokic, Embiid, yeah. Mbanyama now, Vucevic, Vucevic, right? How dare I forget? Yeah, and like, I don't know. It just, I don't know. That's that's a little interesting to me.
1: I'm, I'll be interested to see how many of these players do commit. Um Because that column that Shams uh, released this morning also kind of talked about how some of the veteran guys, led by LeBron, recruiting Steph to join him, KD to join him, they see that as sort of like this is their swan song of international basketball competition. Let's go win one more gold medal together in Paris. So it'll be cool. Um, I just thought that the timing of some of these things the were interesting. We were there. What? Paris. Paris. Great memories. Remember when we went to Paris, Joe? Joey Bordeaux.
2: Embiid MB Joey Bordeaux. Embiid does have uh, French citizenship. Okay. So that's why I said that. Just for the record. But yeah, yes. They have uh they have some good bigs over there in France. Gobert, Wembenyama, Embiid. Yeah. That's that's a big Did you trio. see
1: the video of Wembi doing like some stretches that was yeah. going around Twitter this morning?
2: You can't do that? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that man is a freak of nature. Some of the shapes he was making with his body made absolutely no sense. Uh, All right, so there's that. A bit of USA Basketball news uh, coming on the heels of Team USA's loss in the FIBA World Cup. We'll take our first break here. We'll come back. We'll dive in to some prove-it goals for the season. Today, we're doing Zach. We're doing Kobe. Let's get to it. Before that, while we share these words for our friends and sponsors, hit that thumbs up button if you're watching along on YouTube. Helps us out a lot. We appreciate it. And, of course, hit that subscribe button if you aren't subscribed already. Are you in the market for a new or used vehicle? If you are, we've got some great news for you because Ray, Chevy, and Fox Lake has just joined our CHGO family. We're talking to the team at Ray and they have this pledge called the Ray Price Promise. It's a guarantee that the price you see online is the price when you go to the dealership. We found in many cases that other dealers raise the price on you When you come into the dealership saying things like, well, are you a recent college graduate? Or are you an active military member? Or are you a farmer? And in most cases, that answer is probably, no, I'm not. I'm just someone who saw a price of a car online that I liked and I came here and you told me that the price is different. That's when other dealers raise the price on you, but not at raise. The price you see online is the price you pay with no add-ons to the price ever, E-V-E-R ever. In fact, Ray will do everything possible to find additional savings for you, which may, which may make the price even lower than the one you see online. As one of the top selling dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and save big at Ray Chevy because they now have over 100 Chevy Trax models available starting at $21,495. That's right, over 100 Chevy Trax models. Now through September 30th, all buyers can qualify for zero percent financing, make zero payments until twenty twenty-four, plus no money down. And best of all, pay zero hidden fees with that Ray Price promise. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or Ray Serving the community since nineteen sixty three. Find yourself some new roads.
0: Mmm. Smooth. You know, when I was the other day again when I was on Sea red UK podcast and I was talking I can't can't remember who I was speaking about but I kept saying um uh, yeah I just don't understand it and Matt said they never understood I was like, there it is they never understood they don't get it it's international now ladies and gentlemen it's serious business they don't get it shady rays don't understand we already know baby Joey don't either but we don't get it why you got to pay so much money to look so cool so Shady Rays set out to do something about this. Their independent sunglasses company offering that world-class product just as good as any expensive pair you have ever put on your sexy face. The durable frames, the extremely clear optics for your outdoor and when Matt sometimes approves it, your indoor advenciones. The GOAT taught me that that's a word. That's a word. And that's not all. The Shady Rays has that most insane protection plan in all of our, wear, ladies and gentlemen. The Matt Peck Lost and Broken Replacements Plan. There it is. (laughs) Hat gone. Let's say those glasses were on that. I got a feeling that Matt tossed that hat many, many times yesterday. And let's say those glasses were on that that hat. Snapping apart. Beating
1: yesterday.
0: (laughs) On And let's say those glasses on that bear hat, they would have snapped in half from the sheer rage that was pulsing out of my man, Matt Peck. Well, he would have, the next day, which is today, he'd still be sad, but then he'd remember, he could take those broken glasses, put them in an envelope, send them right on back to Shady Rays. They would give him a brand new pair, no questions asked. And let's say you see a pair, you're walking around town. There was a lot of people wearing sunglasses yesterday, looking absolutely cool. Let's say you picked out one of those people who said, I want to look like that because I like their Shady Rays. Let's yeah, say so you put them on and you realize they don't fit you like you thought they would. Well, you can go to online, find the Shady Rays that fits you best, send those glasses that you thought would fit you back to Shady Rays. They'll send you a brand new pair of your choice. No questions asked. And if you do it within 30 days, it's free. They got your back, y'all. So exclusively for the listeners out there. Shady Rays is giving away their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the promo code CHGO for 50% off of two-plus pairs of premium polarized shades. Spathis. Try for yourself. Oh, the shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 people because the Shady Rays, y'all. would well, the Rays are just oh-so-shady. Woo!
1: So damn shady. Uh, All right, gentlemen, let's talk goals for the upcoming season. We will go through and do uh, one of these proven segments for all the key players on this 23-24 Chicago Bulls roster. And today, let's start with the man who I think probably half of Bulls Nation thinks is not a Max player, but he's ours, Zach Levine, entering year two of his five-year Max contract coming up this season. Uh, Gentlemen, I thought I was pretty pleased with what we saw from Zach Levine at the back half of last season. Really just like from December on Zach had himself a very solid year after knocking off the rust from his off season knee surgery, but he as one of the leaders of this team fell short in making that a playoff team again. After they finally managed after many years of failure with Zach being one of this team's best players failing to make the playoffs. They get there. They falter back last season what do you gentlemen want to see specifically from Zach Levine this upcoming season
2: Mr. Gottlieb so I think as we enter year three of the Zach and Demar tandem one of the things that I think we've talked a lot about but certainly the thing that I think is most important to these two figuring out how to play alongside one another is going to be Zach Moving more off ball. Zach is an alpha scorer. He wants to be that guy, and I think he has proven that he can be that guy, and he can do it well. Um, but I think, unfortunately for him, or maybe, you know, fortunately for the Bulls, unfortunately for him, given the way that he wants to play, because of his versatile shooting skill set, the Bulls need to kind of run him off of more screens. I think they need to add movement, they need to add motion to their half court offense. They need to add some chaos. They need to add guys who can create offense while off the ball. Because as we've talked about so many times, it's a lot of standing around. It's a lot of like Chicago action into a dribble handoff into a Demar isolation or a zipper into a Demar elbow jumper or, you know, Zach doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's just predictable. I think we saw at the start of last season, the motto was randomness and not being predictable and not over-relying on Demar. And we kind of got away from that, but I think for the most part it was because DeMar got hurt in the second half of the season, and then we just did the same thing with Zach. So for me, what I want to see is more off-ball movement, and I think that starts with Zach. I think he has the responsibility, because he's the best at it on the team, and not just the best on the team, but one of the best players in the league at that sort of thing. He needs to be the one that takes it on, whether he wants to or not. Um, I think there's probably a part of him that wants to be Just like that isolation score, that Mamba mentality, elbow jumper kind of guy. And like I said, he's more than capable of doing that at a high level. But for the Bulls to take the next step, I think he needs to learn how to play. I shouldn't say learn how to play, but I think he needs to lean into more playing off ball, moving without the ball, because I think that elevates Damar. I think it elevates the rest of the team, and that's kind of what we need to see out of him. So looking into some of the numbers here, Zach last year played... So Synergy categorizes different plays based on uh, like isolation. They have um, transition, pick and roll ball handler, spot up three, and they have off screen. So last year, Zach averaged uh, 5.8% of his total possessions off screen. The year before that, 69 So last year it went down by over 1%. And I think he needs to get that number up, not just back to where it was, but above there. I want to see like 7.5% of his offensive possessions coming off screens. He's really good at that. Uh, last year, the efficiency wasn't great, but he has shown in the past that he can be very efficient. And I think the Bulls need to lean into him doing that in order to create some more chaos in the half court. So over 7.5% of his offense coming off of screens. I like that. Dave, what do you think about that?
0: I think that's really smart. And that makes a ton of sense, uh, what he's saying for for me. For me personally, I don't want to, it's it's not a stat I want to see Zach Levine have or improve on that I feel he needs to prove anymore. I've seen him put up tremendous numbers through his career here in Chicago. Every year it's a 50, 40, 80 year for, for Zach Levine or or close to a 50-40-90. Like he's mm-hmm. we've seen him be special uh with the numbers that he's put up and the way he plays for this team. For me, it is just simply time to Make him all NBA player. It is time for third team all NBA. That's my approval for for Zach Levine. It is time. It is time for that. The numbers all the time. That's what he does. He puts them up. We see those numbers. He is an awesome, tremendous player. Now I need it to affect everything on that team. That's what I want. I want that consistency every single time of teams completely worried about Zach Levine and what he's going to do on the floor. I want that recognition for Zach Levine. We've seen him get it for the All-Star. We've seen that. We've seen him get it for the gold medal. We've seen that. Now it's time for him. It's been 10 years. He's been in this league 10 years, bro. It is time for Zach Levine to start getting that third team all NBA stuff, man. That is what I want from Zach Levine. I know he's going to score. I know he's going to, I know his three point percentages are going to be amazing. I know that, you know, the team is going to, know play around him i know he's gonna you know create his own shots i i know he's gonna do all those zach lavine things i get that and that's amazing and and i can't wait to see more of it and hopefully there's an improvement on that but for me i don't care about the numbers anymore for me it's about that cold hard fact now of when i'm going down your resume okay what did those numbers equate to for you i need to see that all nba stuff nest to zach lavine man that's what i want to see that kind of domination happen the same zach lavine i saw when they played toronto is the Zach Levine I want to see all season long. That same Zach Levine I saw the second half of the year. That's an all-NBA player. Is That's the Zach Levine I want to see for this season, man. So that's what I want him to prove this season. Give me that all-NBA team. Give me that third all-NBA team thing for Zach. That's what I want.
2: I think that's a really good point. And when you say the second half of last season and that Toronto game, what's the common denominator there? It's winning. The Bulls won yep. in Toronto. They won 14 14- out of their 23 games to end the year, I think winning games at a high level will get Zach onto an All-NBA team. I think that's ultimately what it's. You could
1: make an argument that his stats were worthy of being uh, considered a candidate for All-NBA uh, all, all third team.
2: The All-NBA guard like, is loaded. It
1: is really hard. Loaded. It is so hard to become an oh. All-NBA guard in the league right now, but he put together a really impressive stretch of games where if you were looking at that and just didn't have the rusty part. To begin the season, that was all NBA caliber stuff. Um we've got some people chiming in, in the comments with what they want to see from Zach this year. Sports Chicago Style saying Zach going to play D this year? question mark. Uh uh Sung Hyun saying all I want from Zach is a 40-20 season playing D. What does 40-20 season mean? 40 points, 20 rebounds. <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's bold. <laughs> Can you clarify what you mean by 40-20? Uh, So a couple people calling for, for defense from Zach. I thought about going on the defensive end with my goal for Zach, but I didn't. And here's why I think that we've seen Zach Levine make some strides to improve his defensive game, some effort. And we've seen evidence of him becoming a slightly better defensive player. Bulls fans who want Zach to be some sort of like all defensive team candidate kind of player. I just don't think that's going to
2: happen it's also like the Bulls are a good defense with him being a mediocre defender.
1: Bingo. What we need him to be is elite offensively as opposed to just really, really good offensively. Zach taking that leap, to me, is more useful to this team winning games than people who want to bitch about Zach Levine's defense. Pardon my French, but y'all know who you are out there, and I'm not saying you guys specifically in the comments or bitching about his defense but come on Zach Levine gets hounded by NBA fans and Bulls fans for his defense when tons of NBA scorers are just as guilty of taking defensive possessions off the way that Zach does the way that his teammate DeMar DeRozan does um so because of that like I I hear what you're saying but no I'm focused on Zach becoming elite offensively uh our guy thrown hat suggesting he wants to see a 50-40-90 season from Zach Pointing out that he is almost there, he's come very close in a, each last few seasons. Sports Chicago style says less hero ball from Zach. Um, so here's here's why I went with this. The part about Zach's game that does irritate me, that I think could be fixed, and if at least partially fixed, take him from being a very good offensive player to a truly great offensive player is cutting down those unnecessary turnovers. Unforced turnovers. Dude, there are no excuses for Zach Levine to not have elite ball handling. We've seen his usage percentages come down these last couple of years with DeMar DeRozan in the fold, and his turnover percentage has dropped a little bit, coinciding with the drop in his usage percentage, which you expect to see, and it's good that it did. I think it can drop even further, assuming that the balance of who's getting how many touches and usage percentage between DeMar and Zach stays kind of where it's been for the last two seasons coming into this third season as teammates together. So last season, he had a turnover percentage of 11.0. Yeah, 11.0 per 100. The season prior to that, 11.2. Those two seasons before tomorrow, it was up at 13.9, 13.3. Uh, the 18-19 season, 14.2. So he's cut down the turnovers, which is the other thing, along with his defense, that Bulls, t- Bulls fans have harassed him about. I want to see that turnover percentage drop from 11 to under 9.5. I think that is a realistic goal we can ask of Zach Levine to truly be an elite offensive weapon for this team. An all-star caliber offensive player who can shoot at high volume from anywhere on the floor, can get to the rim, can be productive off the ball, can be productive on the ball. You know what stops you from being as productive as possible on the ball? When you have silly shit turnovers two or three times a game and you got me pulling my hair out. Cut those down. That's what I want to see from Zach finally. Like you said, Dave, you're entering year 10 Enough of the silly turnovers. And to be fair, so wait, Zach what was has the exact number? You said what that. was the exact number? Nine and a half or fewer turnover percentage. So less than nine and a half percent turnover percentage.
2: Just uh, tacking on to that, I mean, I, I do think Zach has gotten a lot better. Obviously, there's room for growth, but over the last five years, this is by far the lowest number it's been in terms of turnover percentage. Yes. While his usage remains really high. So I do think he's gotten a lot better, but I think to add to that, where people get frustrated is the clutch turnovers yes. in particular. And I think a lot of times people point to like one game or, you know, one bad turnover in the clutch, just like one possession and say, Oh, Zach's not a clutch player. He can't do this. He can't do that. And I think there's whether or not there's truth to that. Like it's unfair to just blanket statements. Say Zach is bad in the clutch because of one moment or one possession or one game. So I wanted to look at some of the numbers and he actually did perform really poorly in the clutch last year. So the numbers do match the eye test there. He was 41% from the field, 18% on threes, 18%, six of 33 total on threes. But to me, it's the 11 assists to 13 turnovers in the clutch last year. And so speaking to your point, I mean, Vooch and DeMar combined, only had 12 turnovers. Wow. So, Zach needs to cut those down, I think, in key moments in particular. And then all these things that we're talking about are going to come together where he's more efficient, he's putting up better scoring numbers, he's putting up better assist numbers because he's not turning the ball over. The Bulls are winning games more because they're not turning the ball over in you know clutch situations where they struggled mightily last year. Mm-hmm. And they start winning more games. And then maybe you do see him end up on a third-team All-NBA. So I, I, all these things come together, and I really like the ones that we picked out because I think they – if if Zach can really hone in on those things, and I know it's year 10, and I know he kind of is who he is as a player this year, but you can always add to your game. You can always get better. And if he can start to figure some of these things out, I think the, the growth is going to take like a big jump. It's one of those things where like a tiny tweak can really have a big impact on both winning and you know individual numbers. And I think that's what's going to lead to team success and an all-NBA caliber season from Zach.
0: Yeah, that's, that's dead on right there, Will, man. And I, I love the way you pointed that out, like because that's the key of what we've always been uh, upset at Zach about uh, the turnovers. It's not about, you know, how many of them that he's committed. It's when you're committing those turnovers. It was always the fourth quarter. And it, and you can you go back beyond, you know, just last year. There's several years previously that in that fourth quarter, that was kind of how Matt and I expected it to go down. Like we expected that stepping out of bounds on the baseline. We expected that ball to be dribbled off his foot. We expected him to step on the line and, you know, it'd be an over and back. You know, we expected those things. Sadly, we we expected those things to happen uh, from Zach. So it's not about how many, it's about when he's doing it. And like, we'll just uh, articulate it. Those numbers are definitely backing it up. So, and that, like you said, Will, it all plays in to leading to him being that dude who gets that kind of recognition coming through in the clutch balling out like that getting those turnovers down getting those wins ending up on you know getting those postseason accolades like he it's time for him to get those things uh it's not it's just time it's just time for him to have those things in his game man and I know it's 10 years in but you can still figure out how to not turn the ball over 20 years in you can still figure that stuff out man
1: you mentioned the, the frustration of fourth quarter turnovers, Dave. And and I was actually looking at in-game splits of Zach and the turnover thing. And it's interesting that you brought up the specific clutch splits, Will, uh, and the problem that, that Zach has had there. Because this past season, you want to hear Zach's turnover by quarter numbers, first, second, third, fourth. 51 first quarter turnovers, 44 second quarter turnovers. 54 third-quarter turnovers, 43 fourth-quarter turnovers. So it's not that he's just, like, turned the ball over like crazy in the fourth quarters, but it is the clutch moments.
2: And 13 of them came in games with the score five points or fewer in the last five minutes. Numbers, man.
1: Numbers! That pack! (laughs) I mean, it is crazy to think about that because, I mean, Bulls fans can probably think of a, a dozen examples off the top of their head of, Clutch scenario, tight game, one possession game. Bulls have possession to either come from down a, a bucket or try to get a one-bucket lead in a tie game. And, and Zach Levine turns the ball over in a play that you can't even call a play because all you're left doing is shaking your head saying, what the hell was that? Get rid of that. Please.
0: Get it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of-
1: it's, uh like you said, if people wondering whether or not Zach has another level to his game coming into year 10. I mean, clearly, DeMar DeRozan, his teammate, is a wonderful example of someone who can prove to you that even when they're over the hill, which at the NBA is 30, they can still improve. They can still get better if they continue to dominate what they're good at and even just fine-tune some of the things that really make them an elite offensive weapon.
2: The other addition I want to make is that, like, going back to what my stat was about coming off the ball more. I think to me, that's a stat that represents a mindset shift for Zach. And I don't want this to seem like it's a demotion for him. Like, I don't want him to like take less shots or like get rid of the ball and like only let DeMar touch it. Like I said, Zach has proven that he can be an elite a one scorer, but I think for the bulls to take a next step, there has to be a mindset shift with everybody on the team. Zach included. And I I think Zach needs to be at the forefront of that to where he's not necessarily being the a1 alpha scorer at all times in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I think that will reduce some of those turnovers, but I think also it's just like how can like how can this we talk about continuity, right? Like how can how can these guys learn how to play off of each other a little bit better? And I think DeMar's skill set is a little limiting. You can't have him playing off the ball as much because he's not the shooter, he's not the movement player that Zach can be. Um and so I think Zach kind of leaning into that role, and I don't want it to sound like it's a 1B or a demotion or anything like that, but I think it will reflect in those numbers that you guys brought up, which are the turnovers and the All-NBA. I think Zach can be a much better, more well-rounded player if he leans into that mindset, and I don't think that that mindset is a bad thing, and I certainly don't think it'll be a bad thing when the Bulls start winning more games for it.
0: Mm. I like that. That's real, man. That's
2: Come on, uh, Zach.
1: People, people in the comments, kind of piggybacking off what you're talking about with wanting to see the, a more effective off ball. Zach saying that maybe it's not his game. Uh, Demond saying Zach doesn't like a lot of motion because that takes a toll. He likes to pace himself with control of the ball. Same with Demar. Jacob uh, chiming in: fitness and game conditioning. Non ISO gameplay is a tough game. Zach and the team would need to be fit enough to play that offense. While keeping that intense defense, doing both of those things and maintaining that high level of defense is a good point. But when it comes to Zach specifically, if you're talking about the fact that he doesn't like a lot of motion and maybe he can't excel as that as that kind of offensive weapon, and that maybe fitness and game conditioning could be an issue, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but didn't Zach Levine finish top five in the NBA and Miles ran
2: last season on the I don't know about on NBA floor? Miles court? ran, but he finished top three in minutes played. Right, and like. I don't think Zach guys, Levine being in shape is an issue here. The, these guys are in just outrageous shape. Like, that, I don't think that's the issue. I think it's more, like, that style of play. And I agree on the methodical, like, slow it down kind of pace stuff. But I think that's kind of the, the issue that we're talking about here is I'm not sure that, like, that can be the primary source of offense. When you look at teams like the Warriors or the Kings – Like The Bulls aren't going to be that kind of team, but you can take a page out of their book where they're running those dribble handoffs for Kevin Herter pull-up threes or Malik Monk threes off of DeMontis Sabonis dribble handoffs or Max Struess or Duncan Robinson threes off of Bam Adebayo dribble handoffs. Like, who's is capable of making those plays? He's just as good a screener. He's just as good a a passer. Zach's just as good a shooter. I think that's the kind of thing that can really turbocharge your offense, but the Bulls haven't leaned into that. When you have, and this is where they miss Lonzo, right? There's no motion and movement. There's no transition game. And so you have to make up for that somehow. If the, the primary source of offense can come, you know, Zach pin downs or dribble handoffs. And if that doesn't work, then you get the ball back and you go into something that's more ISO driven. Like that should be the bailout. That should be like the, the Trump card that you have if all else fails. That's why the Warriors have been so successful over all these years because they have Steph and Clay and Jordan Poole and all these guys that are willing to run around and that does take a lot of work it takes a lot of effort it takes an incredible amount of stamina but like that's part of what goes into a really efficient offense. Those are bottom 5 in offense last year. They need to figure out ways to get better at that.
1: Yeah.
0: Will Will can I can I ask you um when what you're talking about with Zach, you know, and, and coming more off those screens, do you feel like having the right point guard is going to help with that or is that just something that just has to be on Zach Levine and he has to figure out I think
2: that's tough. I, I don't think it's really that much of a point guard issue. I think point guards especially in an offense with DeMar and with Zach and with Vooch is more to like bring the ball up the court and like get one of those guys the ball in their spot so then you can get into the action. Mm-hmm. With that kind of thing it's like it's a mindset, it's a coaching thing. It's it's deciding to play a certain style. That they haven't wanted to do for whatever reason. And like, it doesn't take a good point guard to set up a dribble handoff, right? Like, the Bulls run these dribble handoffs all the time to start games, but they're not looking to get shots out of it. They're looking to get into their spots out of it. And I think if you put, like, that can be a place where randomness comes in. If you're more unpredictable with on this initial action for a dribble handoff or a dribble weave, are you going to get a shot or are you going to get into a zipper action to get to mar the ball at the elbow? Like, if it's just get the ball at the elbow every single possession, that's easy to guard. Mm-hmm. If there's some like mixing up more some some more dynamic actions coming out of that, the Bulls are going to be a lot more lethal. They have the offensive players to be a really good offense, but the the fit, the way that they have decided to play, I don't want to put this on Billy because I think the personnel issue is real. It's it's everything. They need to have a shift in mindset and an intention in the way that they play which they do right now, but it just I think it needs to shift more towards a motion and movement style, which mm-hmm. they have been reticent to do.
1: Uh, Demand in the comments saying, in his opinion, it does have to do with the offensive system that Billy runs. And I, look, I, I do want to see Billy try some different things offensively.
2: Definitely, but also like, the Bulls don't have a lot of movement shooters. So you can't no. run that kind of thing no. for Patrick Williams or for you know a Torrey Craig. Like, they just don't have like, – Javon Carter is going to be much better at that but they haven't had the luxury of being able to play any style. They're kind of working with the cards that they've been dealt. Right. And they, I think they can stretch that out a little bit more, but I think that's also a big roster issue.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so there it is. Uh, big Dave wants Zach making third-team All-NBA. Will wants more of Zach's offense coming off the ball. I want Zach to turn down those turnovers when he is on the ball. Those are our prove-it goals for Zach Levine for the upcoming season. Let's take our second quick break. We'll come back and we'll dive into Kobe White's. Kobe! Young Kobe. Uh, Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already while we're sharing these words from our friends and sponsors. Including Sunnyside Cannabis Dispensary. Woo boy, I needed my Sunnyside after that Bears game yesterday. Sunnyside is your home for judgment-free cannabis shopping. A place where all kinds of visitors are welcome to explore, discover, and purchase a wide array of their high-quality products. They have everything you need to elevate your football season or help you cope with your football season. Ah, They offer their great Sunnyside Rewards program, and they've got locations all over this beautiful state of Illinois. I had me one of my good news brand gummies yesterday after that Bears loss. Treated me real nice. Perfect amount. Now, through October 15th, head to sunnyside.shop and use that promo code CHGO25 at checkout for 25% off your total order. One use per customer and not stackable with their other promotions. However, it's not only for new customers. Anyone and everyone can use that promo code of ours, CHGO25, for 25% off your order at checkout. Pick up everything you need to elevate your football season. Must be 21 and over or an Illinois MedCard holder.
0: Mm. you know at that tailgate yesterday it was a lot of fun and a lot of great times and it was all made possible by beer goose island beer company there was tons of it being thrown back and passed around because i was working the beer tub as well all the good times were had ladies and gentlemen all oh, that close that close almost got that that close but yes the goose island beer company y'all have supported chg Oh, and we support them. They have been Chicago's beer since 1988. That is the Jordan year. Of course, they have the Beer Hug family, the 312 Wheat Ale, the Matt and Big Dave special, that full pocket Pilsner. But now, ladies and gentlemen, since fall is upon us, it is time for the Oktoberfest beer. Oh, yes. You know you want to try that. You know you want to get down. And Goose Island knows you want it, too. So why don't you head over and grab that ultra fresh Goose Island original beer from that original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in West Town. Because it's the Goose Island Beer Company, y'all. It's Chicago's beer, the true taste of Chicago.
1: I dig it. Uh, Dude, those pocket pilsners were going down smooth at that tailgate yesterday. It was just a giant ice bucket of icy cold full pocket pills. Man, they were delicious.
0: They were awesome. Yes, they were. Had a great time.
1: Um, All right, gentlemen. Let's dive into some Kobe White talk. Kobe coming back in to the Bulls fold on a new three-year contract. Happy to have him back. Bulls fans still wondering what he is going to be on this team for a guy whose role has fluctuated a lot since getting drafted seventh overall by the Bulls several years ago, starter, bench guy, back to starter, back to bench guy. We'll see where he comes out in Billy Donovan's rotation to start the season. Gentlemen, what do you want to see specifically from Kobe White this year now that he is back with the Bulls on a fresh deal? Dave.
0: Uh, Well, I wanted to say uh, BMF and Kobe White part two was what I wanted to say. Wasn't it? Yeah, because that's what I had him at last year, and, and he definitely did that. And I just wanted to see more of it. But what I do want to see from Kobe is I would like to see his assist numbers go up a little bit. Now, Kobe White, you know, is not known, you know, for his passing. You know, not known for getting those assist numbers like that. If you go look at his numbers, he's at 2.7, 4.8, 2.9, and 2.8. That's what, that's what about he's averaged. Obviously, when he averaged that 4.8 was when he was getting the starts, was when he was playing more minutes. And that's why those numbers were up. That's also when he averaged the most points he's ever averaged before. That's also when his turnovers were at their highest as well. So all those numbers went up because he was starting like that and playing about 30, 31 minutes a game. But Kobe, even in the minutes that he's playing, can still get close to three assists a game. So I feel it's reasonable that Kobe could average 3.2 assists per game for the Chicago Bulls this season. I feel like he flirts with that three a lot. Dealing with the 2.8, the 2.9, he flirts with it a lot. I think he's going to get opportunities, especially in that fourth quarter. Uh, He might start. We don't know know, how that's going to work out. Uh, We'll see how that goes. But I still think he's going to get a lot of opportunity in a very guard-heavy offense that's going to be run by Billy Donovan. Uh, to have, you know, opportunities to find players on the floor. He's really slowed his game down. We've pointed that out before, how he slows his game down, especially in the half court now, how he'll bring the ball out and set up the offense and make the right read. We've seen him do that plenty of times. I would like to see it lead to more assists for him, which means more baskets for the big guys. I'm I'm specifically talking about big guys like Vooch and guys like uh, Andre Drummond and guys like Patrick Williams. Uh, being the uh, benefit uh the benef of benefactors of these assists from Kobe white. So that's what I'd like to see from him. I like to see those numbers go up and just, and I think it would just show people the vision that he does have that. I don't think is really talked about a lot because his scoring is awesome. And you want him to be that guy, but I do think he has really solid vision and he'll try to get a little flashy with it sometimes, you know, making a couple of those passes that he likes to throw. But I think, when they're out in transition and, you know, making those runs, when they're getting those steals with him and Alex Caruso and whoever else is going to be out there with that death by a, a thousand cuts defense that I think they'll be running. I think he has a chance to get a little uptick in his assist, man, and that's that's what I'd like to see him prove this year.
1: Yeah, you will, but I think that's doable, um, you know, as, as Dave's talking about those assist numbers. Basically identical last season and the season prior. You mentioned 2.9, 2.8 per game but his minutes dropped substantially from last from two seasons ago to last season. His assist percentage actually went up last season. Well, from fifteen
2: to sixteen point three. Yeah, I was gonna say, Dave. If what'd you say? Three and a half or three? Three point two. Three point two. You might have to up that number, my friend, because in the second half of last season, Kobe averaged four and a half assists per game. Woo! He was on fire. And as I was looking through some of the different numbers that I could have chose, chosen from here. Like, just looking at splits, man, he was outrageously good in the second half of last year. 11.5 points, 3.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, shooting 49% from the field, 41% on threes, and 100% at the line. Did not miss a free throw in the second half. He had more assists in the second half of the season in 23 games than he did during the first 51 games of the year. So I think Kobe really tapped into something, um, and I think that, that trust kind of earned him more minutes. And that's where I'm going with this. I'm not picking out any like crazy, interesting statistic here. I'm just going with minutes per game. And I want to see him at 28. That would be the most that he's played under Billy Donovan, um, or at at least since DeMar has gotten here. Last year, it was only 23.4. The year before that, 27 and a half. But he earned more minutes in the second part of last year. He only averaged 23 and a half or I'm sorry, uh, 25.9. So 26 minutes per game in the second half. I think he can replicate that and then some, and I think if he does, those numbers are looking even better than what we're hoping for in terms of 3.2 assists. So Kobe, I think is in for a big year. The other direction I could have gone was field goal percentage, um, on two pointers specifically. He was outstanding last year with a career high 44% from the field and 54% on twos jumped over 5%. I think that's at a really good place. If he can continue with that and uh, continue with that assist rate, like he's going to earn more minutes. And if he earns more minutes, he's going to earn some starts. And I think the bulls are going to be better for it. So that's where I'm going. I'm going with the minutes per game. That will kind of be an indicator for me of is everything else going right? Are the assists there? Is the shooting there? Can he get to the rim at a high level? Can he draw fouls? Can he finish around the rim? If he's getting a lot of minutes per game, that means all those things are going right.
1: Bingo. I actually thought about going with a
2: minutes per game goal for Kobe myself. It's kind of a it's kind of a dopey number. But it
1: is, and also some of you might be saying, well, like that's not really within Kobe's control. But it is. The coach decides who gets how many minutes on any given night. It's ex- but it is in his control. If he control. proves to Billy, prove it, that he deserves those minutes. That's, that is why that goal is totally valid and one that I thought about setting for Kobe myself. And I think that's a very solid one, Will. Mine is what you might call a, a meathead or a meatball goal, a, a Karen pumpkin spice goal, because it's basic as hell. But I want it and I need it from Kobe MFN White. Shoot 40% from three for a whole season, buddy. Please, please, I beg of you. This team needs it, and you are capable of doing so. We all know that Kobe is a pretty streaky shooter. You mentioned his shooting splits in the back half of this past season, Will, and he was lighting it up. If he eliminates some of those months or some of those weeks where he shoots uh, just a gross 23% on a high volume of three-pointers, that season average from behind the arc he has no reason not to be a 40% three-point shooter in this league. And he hasn't done it. 35%, 36%, 38%, 37% through his first four NBA seasons. If Kobe eliminates those not, you know, sub-zero, oh, ice-cold Kobe in the good way, but ice-cold Kobe in the bad way, weeks, you're, you're looking at having a legitimate 40% three-point shooter on your roster, which it desperately needs.
2: Absolutely, and I think you can put him in that same category as Zach as far as players that could stand to run off some screens a little bit more, get into some more motion and some more movement. Uh, One of my favorite things that the Bulls did down the stretch of last season but also the season before that, and I remember it particularly in the playoff series against the Bucks, was screen and rolls, pick and pops with Kobe, screening for DeMar, where he would slip out of those and run to the three-point line and – Defenses, I think you can run the same thing with Zach, but defenses have a really hard time deciding what to do in those situations because you have a 40, hopefully 40-plus percent three-point shooter sprinting out to the weak side wing, and you have DeMar DeRozan isolating on the strong side. Do you double DeMar and leave Kobe open? Do you send help to Kobe and let DeMar go one-on-one on on a switch? Like, How do you defend that? So I think the Bulls can put... Those two guys in a lot of actions. I think they can put Zach and Kobe in a lot of actions, like the Warriors do with Clay and Steph, where they're running split cuts. And it's like, what do we do here? These guys are like lethal shooters. Why aren't we leveraging that into more motion and movement? Um, I think both of those guys are good enough to shoot 40-plus percent. I think they're good enough to shoot 40-plus 40 plus percent on high volume. And I think if they do that with a lot of motion and like really intentional getting to spots, putting pressure on defenses, making you chase and guard, the Bulls offense is going to be really tough to defend.
0: Yeah, and I'd want to see it also, Will, with um, Vooch as well. Because I think when I think of him and Vooch, I immediately go back to that Billy Donovan's first season when they first got Vooch. And I just remember the little chemistry he and Kobe had started to develop uh, when Kobe was in that starting lineup. And, you know, just little, you know, give him the ball and I'm going to, you know, Nice little rub screen by Vooch and, you know, hit him with a pass and there it is for the layup. Or nice little give up to Vooch. Vooch makes the moves in, inside. The double team collapses. He finds Kobe in the corner for three. Like, they had really developed a little chemistry that obviously got taken away because Kobe, you know, wasn't starting. You got Lonzo Ball on your team. What the hell? So, of course, that's going to change. Now, I feel like that's what I really want to see more of because... When the Bulls start running in transition, as we were just talking about how lethal this offense could be, that's why I think it's going to really be seen uh, as far as that three-point shot for Kobe White. When he's coming in transition, because any guard they have in there can get that ball and go. Like nobody has to wait or find somebody to give the ball to. They can get it and they can go, whether it's Io, whether it's Kobe, whether it's Caruso, whether it's uh, Carter, any one of them. Give, they get it, they're gone. We're out. So Kobe is definitely going to run to a spot you know, and find himself maybe in the corner, you know what I'm saying? Maybe at the elbow, wherever he wants his shot. He's going to find it there. Because, you know, Vooch, as Matt always pointed out, is going to come up with that trailing three. So he's going to have these opportunities to do that. And I think that's where you're going to get a good amount of him in addition to that fourth quarter, where I think he's going to be playing as well. Because in that fourth quarter, we've seen him be absolutely lethal for the Chicago Bulls from the three-point line in that fourth quarter. We've seen it. And I think that will continue, man. So, yeah, like the fact he hasn't shot 40%, I was like, wow. Like when Matt said it, I was I was a little surprised. Like, really? He's never touched it before? That's interesting. That's very interesting to me because I feel like that's something that we know him for is being a, that kind of shooter. So, you just assume that a guy like that has touched 40% before. So, yeah, I think now is definitely a good year to prove that you are that dude and put that fear in these other teams from that three-point arc. That's
1: why I think some might be surprised by it because we've seen Kobe have months where he shoots damn near forty-five percent from downtown. He'll have a string of games where he'll shoot sixty percent from downtown. And you're like, okay, cool. Shoot forty percent for a season. You haven't done that yet. It is absolutely within your abilities to do so. And I, I'm with you, Will. Maybe trying to get him some more actions off the ball as well. Get him coming around some screens for some open looks, catching fire. Um Drewish in the comments saying, Be that flamethrower from beyond the arc. Sports Chicago style and DeMon in the comments both pointing out that whenever Kobe seems to have it going, Billy likes to sit him on the bench. I think that might be a. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. And obviously some recency bias because it's burned into your memories from the Bulls play in game part two loss. Kobe was playing pretty well and then got yanked by Billy late in that game as things were falling apart. Um, Oh, well. <laughs> I think th- those are all solid goals for, for young Alex Jacoby-White. I think they're doable. I think they're doable, and I think if he achieves those things, just like if Zach achieves those uh, goals that we set for him, it will actually propel the Bulls to being a more competitive team. And they are, they are fair asks, but they certainly won't come easy.
2: Kobe just got a lot of money from the Bulls. He's locked in for three more years. I do not think he's, like, done growing now. I think these are the kinds of things that can help take him to another game, mm-hmm. another level, where he's making a bigger bag next time around in three years. I mean, he's not – And he proved to us this past season
1: that here. he is capable of developing, and he is still young enough that there are other the The goal that I set for him this past season – He achieved it, and it was my desire to see him score more efficiently and also at a higher volume inside at the rim. I asked him to get more shot attempts at the rim last season than he did the season prior while maintaining a very efficient, I think it was like 67-point-something percent, finishing at the rim. He did both of those things. You can do that. Now be a 40% three-point shooter.
0: Yes, he can.
2: Please. We need those. We need those. We like those. And if his summer workout highlight tapes are any indicator, Woo! he's, he's going to be shooting 100% on threes <laughs> this year.
1: Somewhere our friend Mark is very triggered. Uh, that's it. We are out of time for today. Thank you for tuning in. We are back tomorrow, same time, same place, in Studio 4 p.m. Central Time. Until then, don't forget to hit that thumbs up button on your way out. Subscribe to the CHGO Sports YouTube channel. Follow Dave on Twitter, bow, BWL Sports. Will is... Will the GOAT, Will underscore Gottlieb on Twitter. Our pal producer, Joyce Bathis, a.k.a. Joey1k. He is at Joyce Bathis am Bulls underscore peck. We are CHO underscore Bulls. Have a great night. Watch Bills Jets, I guess, if you want. Make some bets. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Bulls Nation. See you, Red. Be good.